Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. You know, when you put the silver and black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver and black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, here's your host, JT The Brick. Out of the gate, what's happening, everybody? JT, today on a gorgeous Thursday, August 19th, as the Raiders are in Los Angeles fighting, fighting with the Rams and potentially some injuries to report on. We'll get to that in a moment. We're brought to you by PT's. Stop by any PT's tavern to join the best rewards program in town. New True Rewards members receive $10 in free play slot play when they earn 20 base points. You know about the best happy hour in town. 50% off drinks, 5 to 7, midnight to 2 daily. With over 60 locations, there's always a tavern near you. Visit PTstaverns.com to find yours today. So Beth Mowens will join us in about 10 minutes, the play-by-play voice of the Raiders in the preseason. Beth was at practice today, and all reports are it ended early because fights broke out. Uh, according to Vinny Bonsignor, and I interviewed Vinny last night on my SiriusXM show. I'll probably replay it maybe in the second hour. It was really good. So I didn't want to double book Vinny here. He's working, doing his own show, but he had really good content. So we'll talk about that. But Vinny was live tweeting during the whole practice today and you know some of the good plays that were made. And then about an hour ago, 57 minutes ago, Vinny tweeted, Nicholas Morrow went down with a leg injury, got up and walking with trainers to the sideline. Morrow is heading into the trainer's room. Vinny Bonsignor, 52 minutes ago, Two players down for the Raiders today, Richie Incognito and Nicholas Morrow. Then, pretty decent brawl between the Raiders and the Rams. It stopped, and then it restarted. The Raiders and the Rams have literally been separated to two different fields. Raiders taking their gear off. It looks like that's it for practice. And then 45 minutes ago, and that's that from Thousand Oaks, Raiders boarded the bus and got the hell out of there. So it seems like several players had, I don't have an update on the injuries, but are you kidding me? If Incognito and Morrow were hurt, now I'm not going to play it up that they're injured. I don't know what it is. We'll let the Raiders, we have John Gruden's press conference. He just had it. We're going to play that. So I'm sure he'll have an update on that. I'll talk to Beth, who will join us here in a few minutes. But you knew there were going to be injuries. You knew there were going to be injuries in a heated brawl war between these two teams that were throwing punches today and it got really chippy and they had to be separated. You knew this was going to happen. So as much as they got a lot of work in and the Raiders got a lot of work in to see that a couple of guys got banged up. That's the worst case scenario. I told you it's been really quiet this preseason. I mean, really quiet. There's been no news on the Raiders all summer long. That's why we pivoted and did the NBA and baseball and everything else. I'm not going to sit here and talk for two hours to myself when there's no Raider news. And there was none. It was quiet, peaceful, cool. Everything's fine. No quarterback controversy like Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson. Nothing. And I said to everyone who's listening on this flagship, they got to stay healthy. So Morrow has the potential to be the defensive captain of the team. And Richie Incognito, they can't afford to lose. They lost him all year last year. As healthy as he is and in shape as he is in the offseason and in training camp, he gets hurt a lot. And if he got hurt today, I don't want to see Richie play another snap the rest of the preseason. Get him out because they can't afford to lose him. 
Hopefully it is not serious. I don't think it is. Because if it was, I'm following Vic Tafer and everybody else out there looking for some updates. But the Raiders don't owe us any updates. It just happened a short time ago, and that's when you sit with the trainers and the doctors, and they assess what's going on here. But for any Raider fans that are out there, what would you think about this? You knew this could be dangerous. Vic Tafer, nine minutes ago, Gruden had no updates on Morrow and Incognito. So the coach is not going to give us anything. Vic said Gruden thought today's practice was going well until last special team skirmish. No idea what happened, but I had enough of that crap. Not good for football. Fight started on special teams with Douglas and Teamer in middle of it for the Raiders. Many punches thrown, including by Crosby and Ngakwe. Waller emerged with a torn jersey. Could hear faint Raiders chants from fans way up in the hills. <laughs> uh, Rams continue to practice while the Raiders hit the buses. They're going to call the practice. Vic Tafer, 54 minutes ago, big fight, punches thrown. All right, Raiders, what do you want to talk about with this, Raider fans? I mean, this is not good. You, you lost out on some practice because of punches and a skirmish, or does that is that what the Raiders need to kind of mix it up a bit and get a little bit chippy and get them going because it's limited, limited preseason action for the starters, and these are the starters – Wallow's getting his jersey ripped. Mad Max is throwing punches with Ngakwe. Gruden's pissed off, can't, ending practice early. I don't know. How do you want to spin that? We, we got no updates on two really important players who, are, who had some type of injury today. Both walked off the field. So we'll see how this plays out. I'm waiting on Ian Rappaport and some of the other insiders to talk about that. So Beth Mowen's in about five minutes. Beth maybe will have an update on us. She'll be on the call this Saturday along with Rich Gannon and Matt Millen as we continue on. I'm going to save the sound of Draymond Green. 25 years I've been doing sports talk radio. Last night was arguably some of the best sound I ever played in my life. Draymond Green destroyed the Warriors. He basically blamed Steve Kerr, the coach, and Bob Myers, the GM, for the fight that he and Durant got in, which broke up the dynasty. Durant's no longer a warrior. He agreed with Draymond, saying it was on management for not doing enough and squashing the problem. To me, it's two spoiled athletes who can't own a problem that they had and they're blaming it on others. Wait till you hear this sound if you haven't heard it yet. It is gold. It is radio gold. And we got a lot of listeners who listen on the Raiders mobile app in the Bay Area coming from Oakland. So I hope some Warrior fans who are listening today have an opinion on Draymond. I would have traded him today by noon before I started the show. You can't cut him. NBA's guaranteed contracts. But I'd ship his ass out after this. I think it's conduct detrimental to the team. And the balls of Draymond Green to still be drawing a big paycheck from this team and to say that about his organization. I don't know many athletes who would ever do that. They haven't. The athletes leave a team. Or years later, they talk about it. Remember, Kobe and Shaq didn't get along, and it broke up their dynasty. Jordan had to retire twice because he was burnt out. His father died. It was too much for even Jordan to continue after they won three. They stopped. They won three again. Dynasties break up all the time. The biggest one in my lifetime, I think you'd agree, is Jimmy Johnson and the Cowboys. They won two. 
Jimmy couldn't handle it anymore. He, him and Jerry were at wit's end. They couldn't even talk to each other. Jimmy Johnson quit. Barry Switzer took over and won a Super Bowl. And that was Jimmy's team. And Jimmy could have won four or five. But because of the egos, the battle of the egos, dynasties sometimes break up. You know, the main reason why dynasties break up is players get older. You know, great players get older. They can no longer win at a high level. And that's what happens. And it's hard to keep a dynasty together. The Patriots, Patriots have had a dynasty, but they don't win back-to-back much. I mean, they're a team that always loses every couple of years. I mean, Brady lost three Super Bowls, right, to Nick Foles and two to Eli. Uh, The Spurs had a great dynasty with Tim Duncan and Popovich when they won five with Ginobili and Parker. I'm fascinated by a dynasty. Dynasty, you need to win at least three. Three in a row or three out of four. Maybe, and the Warriors won three out of five. So you can give the Warriors a dynasty there, but they should have won four out of five. They had to suspend Draymond. Draymond got suspended from a game, and Cleveland came back, and LeBron won a championship. And then Kevin Durant left, and Kevin Durant and Draymond are piling on the Warriors. Again, it is fabulous radio. We'll play that here in a little bit and keep going. Sean Salisbury, the quarterback, will join us. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, the franchise. At the bottom of the hour, we'll talk to Lee and go around the league and talk about some of the issues in the NFL. So we got a big show. I'd like to hear from you, Raider fans, on the fight today and how chippy the practice was. 702-365-9200. Great friend, Beth Mowens, tremendous broadcaster with ESPN, and she's the play-by-play voice of the Raiders in the preseason. She was at camp today, practice between the Raiders and the Rams. And, Beth, you were there. It sounded like it got awful chippy fights and a couple of guys got banged up. How did you see it? Yeah, I mean, it, it was a, a very uh, quiet drill going on with, a, with the special teams. And I think they had one more uh, scheduled um, head-to-head that they wanted to do offenses and defenses. And then uh, uh, I was down on the far end of the field, so I, I just saw the teams come together, GT, and, and I guess uh, in the middle of that melee, uh, you know, guys got after it a little bit. I, I think uh, everybody is uh, excited to be able to play against other teams and face other guys, and so unfortunately it, it, uh, it got a lot of hands. Beth, Beth, we got to get, yeah, Beth, we got to get you in a better spot. So Bobby's got to get Beth in a better spot with a better line. She's breaking up. I want to hear about that because really the big takeaway from today is the injury to Incognito and obviously the injury to Nicholas Morrow. Uh, Gruden didn't comment on it, but obviously there was chippiness. There was a couple of fights, and practice ended early, as Beth confirmed because of that special teams squirmish. So, Beth, you were kind of expecting that, right? You, you expect pushing and shoving when you do these dual practices. Yeah, I, I think you anticipate that uh, there will be some chippy moments. You know, you hope it ends short of, of any kind of altercation that, you know, guys have to end practice a little earlier than they anticipated. So that, that was unfortunate. Um, and, you know, you hope you can channel that kind of energy, you know, once Saturday rolls around. Uh, you know, in the in the regular season, I don't think it's an issue, and and I'm not sure how many starters you know we we will see this preseason, anyways. But uh, uh, yeah, hopefully uh, things are a little bit cleaner come Saturday, and we get a chance to to watch some of the younger guys in action. Beth Mowens joins us. Beth, Coach Gruden didn't have a comment on Morrow or Incognito and the level of their injuries, but for them to come off the field, Raider fans are concerned. Those are two valuable players for the Raiders' offense and defense. 
Yeah, that that is, so, you know, hopefully we'll be able to hear more on that um, in the coming hours, in the coming days, and those guys, uh, you know, hopefully will be all right. That That is certainly the last thing you want to see in these types of situations is is uh, guys that, that come away nicked up. So, uh, you know, fingers crossed and, and hoping for the best in, in terms of the prognosis there. Uh, we, we have not heard any word here locally. Uh, Beth, tell me about game one that you called with Rich Gannon and Matt Millen, and what was your takeaway on how clean of a game it was and the Raiders' ability to run the ball and the play of Peterman. Let's start with the offense and what impressed you. Yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, listening to the guys and, and just watching sort of the evolution of Peterman, you you get the sense how important it is, and, and I think it'll be the case with Derek Carr, too, week in and week out. Uh, the familiarity with the Gruden offense and the system that they run was evident. You could see he was much more confident uh, throwing some really nice balls. We were excited to see him, you know, attacking downfield. They had a couple of pass plays over 20 yards. And and then, you know, all eyes, I think, were on the offensive line. We got a chance to see Leatherwood. We got a chance to see Andre James. So a couple of those guys that will be in there on every down. Um, and, and they really were able to push the pile. And, and you know, guys like Trey Regis and, and B.J. Emmons broke off some nice runs. And uh, and they were able to move the ball early on, which was which was great to see a couple of scores the first couple of possessions. Beth Moen joins us from Los Angeles, where the Raiders just wrapped up a two-day practice with the Rams on the defensive side. I talked to Eric Allen on the post-game show afterwards, and he was just impressed with how they lined up and the way they were able to tackle in space. Beth, I want to talk about Gus Bradley with you, and now what he has to do to have these guys lined up correctly. So they make better plays and bigger plays. Last year, they were out of position all year long. Yeah, so when we sat down to talk to Gus, it was, you know, you love to kind of get the backstory and the history of, of how things evolved. So, you know, he, he took us back to his days, um, ironically enough, with Seattle, and they're facing the Seahawks, and, and they wanted to develop a system there. They had a lot of young guys, and so they wanted something that young guys could pick up on quickly and they developed this system that was, you know, a little bit uh, along the lines of let's find out what we do really well and just get really good at those. And, and Gruden referenced the fact that they, I think, lead the league in preseason repetitions <laughs> and, and preseason effort, and that's something that fit as well with the Chargers and now certainly fits with, um, with the Raiders. So you've got a lot of young guys. You've got some speed, and I think the other thing that Gus brought were a couple of coaches familiar with his system Mm -hmm. and a guy like a Casey Hayward and some veterans up front. I I think even if Gerald McCoy can't get on the field right away, his experience, you're already seeing how invaluable that is with making sure that front line is much better this year. Beth Mowens joins us. Beth, two other players, Trayvon Merrig, who I guess had a couple of good days of practice. You were there for that, and... How do you see Jonathan Abram progressing? Because he's a heat-seeking missile that's out of position at times. That can't happen again. He's coming into his third year now. First year was wiped out during that first injury. Then last year, a lot of mistakes, but he shows promise as an athlete. I I think it's make or break for him this year. Do you agree? Yeah, I I think it's a big year for him. I think it's a big year for for Cleve Farrell. Um, for sure, and um, I, I think it's a big year for Damon Arnett. I, I like what I've seen so far. I think some of that goes back to, you know, the, the system that Gus Bradley is putting these guys in. I, I think we're going to see 
um, a lot more of Abram, uh, you know, uh, uh, that box safety they're calling him, and, mm-hmm. and an opportunity to be that hard-hitting guy um, on run plays because Merrick matches up so well with him. Uh, if you haven't uh, seen it on social media yet, he had another really nice pass breakup downfield. Uh, he's, I, I think he's going to be terrific patrolling, you know, uh, the deeper part of the secondary. So th- those are very encouraging. Um, and, and I think, you know, the, the comparison has been made. Uh, Casey Hayward and, and Damon are it's sort of the what Eric Allen was for um, a young Charles Woodson mm-hmm. and that mentor, that guy that can tell you some of the secrets and some of the shortcuts of, of being able to play that position better. Hey, Beth, finally, we're both not in the business to pick wins and losses, but you know, I think the Raiders are, are better. They lost a couple of players on the offensive line, but Trent Brown had to go. And I think that Gabe Jackson was a good player, but replaceable. Rodney Hudson is a big loss. Other than that, they've upgraded significantly on defense, especially with Gus Bradley and the new additions. And Carr's in the fourth year with Gruden in this offense with Waller, Edwards, Ruggs, Renfro, Zay Jones, a lot of weapons, including Kenyon Drake and especially Josh Jacobs. How optimistic are you that they could get out of the gate and handle this schedule, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, right out of the gate, to navigate the waters to be competitive this year for a playoff run? I, I think they will probably be in the same situation midseason that they were the last couple of years. I, I think they have the pieces in place to be in that conversation. And so what we talked about, JT, in the game on Saturday, and it, it will come up again this Saturday, is finish drives, finish games, finish the season. You know, they've just got to be better, in, you know, after Thanksgiving. And the ability to stay healthy, the ability to be better in that red zone. And, you know, I think they were 5-4 and four last year in those one-possession games. When, when they made the playoffs a few years ago, you know, they were winning 90% of those. So I think that, that will be the key, second half of the season. I think they're going to be in, in, the, in the picture again. And, you know, we were having the conversation, will 10-7 and seven be enough mm-hmm. to make the playoffs in the AFC? I'd like to think it, it could be, and I'd like to think that the Raiders will, will be around that number. Good seeing you last week, Beth. Have a great broadcast Saturday. Thanks for your time. Yep, thanks, JT. Take care, Beth. Beth Moens, play-by-play voice of the Raiders. She does a great job. She's got a big broadcasting career with all the work and all the different sports she does over at ESPN. And she was at practice today prepping for the game coming up on Saturday, which, you know, it would be great if Jalen Ramsey played a quarter, Derek Carr played a quarter. McVay doesn't play anybody. So you know you're not going to see the Raiders play anybody. And now we find out that Nicholas Morrow and Incognito got nicked up, banged up. I can't use any other term because I'm not aware of the injury. And John Gruden's not talking about it. We'll play the Gruden press conference coming up here. Bobby says a little bit of chippiness in it, of course. Look, he wants to work. Gruden's out there to work, and he doesn't want to go into the training room. He doesn't want to go in the training room this year. He doesn't want to see guys working out trying to come back from an injury. This has got to stop. If you get nicked up in, in, the, in a practice, that's fine, as long as you're not seriously injured. This organization needs players available, and football players get hurt all the time. So the question becomes, you got to have contact. you got to play tackle football. You have to have pushing and shoving and trash talking. You have to be a football player. You have to get your alpha or your mojo going. You can't do it in shells and shorts every day. 
This league is now about shells and shorts and practice and walkthroughs. So Gruden takes the team out west to to get a sweat going and, and to see how they're doing. And all reports are is they did very well. Every report I've seen from both the Rams and the Raiders is that the Raiders held their own, if not were better than the Rams, made more plays. They made more plays, more interceptions, more big splash plays than the Rams. I'm not a big Matthew Stafford guy. I think you can pick him off. You can beat him. But that's what they say about Derek Carr around the league. They say Derek Carr is very good, but you can beat him. Look at his win-loss record. So you got two quarterbacks that have a lot to prove. You know, when they do these rankings in the top ten, saw that the other day. Some knucklehead radio host is doing the top ten quarterbacks, right? Because they're just killing time because they have no, no other content. And I'm watching that, and Justin Herbert's ahead of Carr. And I'm like, okay, wait a second. He played one year. He played good. He played well. He's an offensive rookie of the year, good player. Does that make him better than Carr, who's played all these years? No, I don't think so. But, of course, this guy and other people pick that. They pick Matthew Stafford over Carr. Would you pick? That's a good topic to start the show off. Would you pick Matthew Stafford over Carr? Most people would. Most people would say bigger arm, arm strength, big experience. What the hell Stafford ever done? His teams always lose. But, you know, Carr hasn't been in the playoffs. He took a t- Derek took a team to a playoffs. He led the team to 2016. He couldn't play because of his broken ankle. So Derek got a team to the playoffs. He just hasn't won a playoff game. So the, the amount of disrespect for Carr, he's not forgotten. You know, when you just forget someone, you forget someone. He's not forgotten, but they refuse to put him in the top 10 or the top 12. And people just do that because they like to Raider bash. Instead of saying, look at the offense, look at his stats, look at his completion percentage, look at all of this. They don't, my point is they don't give him the benefit of the doubt. Derek Carr gets no benefit of the doubt. Everybody just thinks he's really good. But can he be elite? Is Matthew Stafford, in your opinion, elite? Was Jared Goff elite? Is Jimmy Garoppolo elite? No. But Cam Newton was. He's not anymore. Aaron Rodgers is. Also, Aaron Rodgers making news again that he was 50-50 two weeks ago about to retire. Drama. He loves it. Loves to get on radio and be dramatic. So that's a big headline here today. So we'll talk about that. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton coming up at the bottom of the hour. So when I talked to Vinny last night, and we'll play that sometime next hour if I have time, he thought they did great things. And now Vinny's reporting now that Incognito got banged up in practice along with Nicholas Morrow. So we're trying to find more accurate information, but John Gruden did not give it at the press conference. So I think we're going to have to wait. We'll get a chance to see what's going to happen a little bit later on when you know, they got a game in a couple of days here. They have a game in a couple of weeks. But Gruden thought the practice was going well, and the fight happened on special teams. Also, Sean McVay said he didn't see what happened, but it's glad he's glad that no one's got hurt. Cut practice early, he confirmed, before the last team period. And Jalen Ramsey saying this, reaction to some of the comments about him. He saw trending on social media after yesterday's practice, including his efforts to set the record straight and adds no disrespect to Renfro, who he says is a good player. I think this was a good good opportunity for these teams to get after it, but there was a big, big fight right before the last period of practice on the defensive field. Coaches had a hard time de-escalating this one 
They finally got guys calmed down, and then someone yelled, the blank, and it started right back up again, according to Jordan Rodriguez. So those are some of the updates from camp. Uh, If you have an opinion, show started 25 minutes ago. I don't know what I'm waiting for for calls. Isn't this the flagship of the Raiders? Aren't Raider fans concerned about Incognito and Morrow getting hurt? Aren't Raider fans concerned about a fist fight breaking out when Waller's jersey's getting ripped off? I mean, what's going on here? Season's starting, everybody. We got a game. Hey, speaking of the game, Saturday at the M Resort Spawn Casino, we will host the pre- and post-game there. Marcel Reese, Darren McFadden, I'll be there emceeing some events before. That will be on the air. If you get a chance, go to the Raiders Tavern and Grill, uh, brought to you by Remy Martin and Modelo. The front bar is Modelo. The back bar is Remy Martin, two of our great partners here on Raider Nation Radio on my show. So I'm looking forward to seeing you out there. If you're looking for a place to watch the game Saturday night, come on down to the M. Get used to going to the M. Know how to get there, where to park, where we're going to be out at the Raiders Tavern and Grill, and come on out for a good time. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton will join us coming up next. Padres are in a swoon. What is he noticing with the Chargers, the Rams, and the Raiders on the West Coast all chasing Kansas City? the best team in all of football. And this Draymond Green news with Kevin Durant is radio gold. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show. We're brought to you by the Henderson Hyundai Superstore, Boulder Highway in Henderson. Your new car is right there. Pre-owned new, award-winning Hyundai, luxury crossover. It's right there. They have the super deals you're looking for. We don't want any pushing and shoving and fighting. That's not competitive. That's stupidity. We got to keep our poise and get our work done. And, um, you know, I, I didn't really see the other scrimmage, so I don't know what, what happened. But uh, we're going to practice with the same etiquette that we practice here. And our players have done a great job of that. I expect theirs to do the same. John Gruden will play that press conference coming up here a little bit later on on Raider Nation Radio. It is a pleasure to be joined by Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, one of the best opinion makers, content providers in the history of sports talk radio. And Lee, good to talk to you again. I want to jump in out west where you're based, Rams and Raiders practicing before and ahead of their game on Saturday. You're a former voice of a couple of NFL teams. Do you like this process where it seems like the practices are more important than the preseason game? Well, they've really devalued the preseason games, which is bad for the fans because they do charge them high ticket prices or regular ticket prices to go to games to see third and fourth string guys. I, I do understand you got to prevent injuries and you don't want to lose a starting quarterback in, in a meaningless preseason game. I guess the practices are good because it's live fire action, but you can control the fact you're not going to have hits on quarterbacks. You try to keep your guys off the ground. So I guess there's a positive there. Uh, I always thought that preseason scrimmages were good. I thought the exhibition game still had value because you've got to find out how your younger players are going to hold up with the system you're running, how they're, how they're handling the physicality and the speed of the opponent, et cetera. So NFL has to find a, a middle ground mix, you know, as it relates to the Raiders and Rams. That's Matthew Stafford throwing interceptions, which is kind of surprising. Uh, that's the Raiders with all their really gifted, skilled people making a pile of plays. Now John Gruden just needs to get them to, what, September 13th to start the season healthy. 
Lee, what do you think Dean Spanos, the owner of the Chargers, thinks of the Raiders coming back into Los Angeles for this? Multiple days with so many Raider fans there and the Rams building that brand. You don't hear much about the Chargers and their opponents and what's building with the Chargers brand in Los Angeles. Well, on the field, I think those of us who follow the Chargers, and I was the voice of the Chargers for 13 years, and as much as I dislike the owner for what he did to our community in San Diego where I'm based, I like the team. I I like the quarterback. Obviously, Tom Telesco has done a really good job stockpiling enormous athletes. They've got got the best team speed I think I have ever seen of anybody wearing a lightning bolt. Now, it's got to come together, and the, the people around Justin Herbert have to play much better than they played a year ago when he took a real beating, even though he threw for 4,000 yards. That's on the field. Off the field, I think this is going to be an embarrassment for the National Football League. I think when the regular season starts and the Rams are drawn 70,000 per home game because they think with Matthew Stafford, the number one defense or a Super Bowl team, and the Chargers are drawn 30 to 40,000, and half of them are fans wearing the other team's colors, this is just not going to be a good look for the National Football League. And again, it'll be another indictment of who the Spanos family is and what they did and why they left San Diego. And, and you know, the, JT, the scoreboard does not lie. They've had 14 winning seasons in 36 years of Spanos' ownership of the Charger franchise. There is no track record. You know, and they, they just announced last week, a, quote, robust amount of season tickets have been sold to Charger games, uh, pushing 44,000. But I'll tell you what, if 21 to 25,000 of those are brokers who now take the, those tickets and put them out in the market, so Green Bay fan and Steeler fan and Raider fan and Viking fan come in and buy them, that, that doesn't bode well for the Chargers. We saw what happened at the three years they played in the soccer stadium. The stadium was overrun by ticket brokers who sold all the tickets they bought to, to the fans of the other team. I think you're going to see a similar thing here uh, when the Chargers play. So I, I don't think it will be a good look for the, for the National Football League to see the disparity in the turnouts, and it surely won't be a good look when that stadium is overrun by people wearing the silver and black or Kansas City Chief red or Bronco orange. And they've, JT, if you look at their schedule, mm-hmm. they've got a great home schedule. Yeah. But it's going to be in front of all the Patriot and Viking and Steeler fans. Hacksaw joins us. Lee, we found out that the FBI has joined the investigation with Deshaun Watson here as he's been investigated by the FBI and clearly Rusty Harden, his attorney, one of the best out there at clearing his clients' names of the past, is really running into a wall here now about allegations of extortion regarding one of the 23 lawsuits filed against him here. How big of a black eye is this for Roger Goodell? Because it doesn't seem like these attorneys are moving forward at a comfortable pace, if that's the word, and Deshaun Watson's just out there every day. No one can trade for him. No one really wants him. And Houston's got this black eye in their organization. I think the key word in this whole conversation, JT, is paralysis. Uh, Roger Goodell, I don't think, wants to put him on the commissioner's exemplist and take him away from the Houston Texans until he is charged. But there's so much middle ground confusion as to what happened and what, what was insinuated and what somebody asked somebody. That's why he's not been charged yet by the police. And the lawsuits, I don't think, can really go forward till there's some type of criminal element charge against Deshaun Watson. And Houston's kind of caught in this miss, the mix of this, and Houston's an absolute mess. New general manager, new coach. Hell, they signed more than 30 free agents. They got journeymen at a lot of positions. It's going to be a wretched season in Houston. And they're kind of stuck in the middle. What are they going to do? They, they can't. I don't think they're going to suspend Watson. 
Goodell's not going to put him on the exempt list till he knows what's happen- happening legally, and there's just paralysis. We do know this, though. September 13th, the season starts. I would assume if he's not on the exempt list by then, he'll be the third quarterback and won't suit up until this process runs its course. He's got no trade value out there. Uh, now, once, once it runs its course and they drop the charges or it's settled out of court and the commissioner takes his action, then Houston can probably put him on the trade block and try to get value for him. But yeah, it's, a, it's a bad look for him. It's just a disaster for the Houston Texans. And I think the league is just kind of stuck in a corner because they can't do anything till they actually know what, what the Houston Police Department's going to do. Legendary sports talk show host Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, longtime radio voice of the Chargers and the Seahawks, join us. Before I get to the Lakers roster, I've been playing sound for 25 years and listening to your show even before that. The sound of Draymond Green and Kevin Durant of blaming Kerr and Bob Myers is incredible. These are the guys who had the incident, the fight that broke up the dynasty. Draymond's now, I guess, in the media, and KD agreed to this. How does Joe Lacob in this organization let Draymond come back to work with this conduct detrimental to the team and organization? Well, don't you love podcasts? But yeah. Boy, don't you love social media? And then you see the end result of what players do to themselves when they do what they do. You know, whether it's those guys in the NBA or this Dodger pitcher out here on the West Coast, Trevor Bauer, Mm -hmm. absolutely stunning. Uh, At the end of the day, rosters go through transitions, free agency occurs, players leave. Was it mishandled by Bob Myers? Was it mishandled by Steve Kerr? Maybe. But you know what? The coach and the general manager really have to run the room, and they have to run their roster, and they have to run their franchise. And these guys are going to test free agency. They're going to test free agency. And then if they get in a spat in the middle of the whole season – that, that can be a, a distraction, but at the end of the day, the Warriors had a tremendous run, and now they're in rebuild mode, and Durant has gone on and done illustrious things in Brooklyn, and he's gotten his payday. To me, it's, it's kind of a non-story. It's, it's old, tired history, and it's just not happening in Golden State's locker room, JT. It's around a lot of bunch of places. I mean, Boston or Philadelphia, they all got some internal strife with the Divas that they pay to play well on their roster. Hey, Lee, finally, tell me about the Laker roster after Russell Westbrook and Carmelo and how they're going to build it out the rest of the way to get these guys some load management time so they're ready for the postseason. And is it just going to be the stars on the court, or they, do they have money for any depth on the back end? Three, bas- uh, three superstars, one basketball. I don't know. I was never real good in math, but this, this is going to be a challenge because each of those three guys, A.D., King James, and, and Westbrook, have to have the basketball in their hand to become what they have become. Uh, Westbrook, obviously, is going to run the show, and uh, LeBron's going to be at a different position. And the question is, do they pass the basketball and stand around and watch the guy that's got the ball make a shot? Or is it really going to become a quality team? It's going to be fascinating to see how the chemistry works. And then you add in the fourth guy in the equation. Lost in all this conversation is Carmelo Anthony. And we saw Mello in Denver, and we saw Mello in New York, and he got the basketball, and the offense stopped because he had the basketball. So he comes into the mix. The rest of the roster is just a mishmash of journeymen. Uh, it's a much older basketball team, but, I mean, they're going to go as far as those four marquee great veterans go if they play well together. And, you know, across the hallway, what's happened to the Clippers is really weird because they're not going to have Kawhi Leonard for anywhere from – six months to maybe the entire season because they've now called this major knee surgery and this recovery time is extensive. Now, they just made this trade 
uh, to go get Eric Bledsoe. So Bledsoe and Paul George will be the running mates, but they got a cast of characters. And if you go back and look at over the last year and a half, JT, they traded away all the chemistry guys that did all the intangible things that made that thing work. Patrick Beverly and Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell, those guys played a key role in the growth of that franchise. All those guys have now gone to other teams. So it's going to be interesting to see what Clippers basketball looks like. But but getting blood so mm-hmm. helps with Paul George. But do they have enough around those guys? Lee, last one. The Padres losing seven out of the last ten, the current losing streak. What a shame. I mean, they could have playoff games sold out in the gas lamp at Petco, and they could get hot. If they get in, do you think they're in jeopardy of losing that second wild card eventually? I wonder if they're going to get in. You know, yeah. I wrote a co- I wrote a column coming out of spring training because I I thought based on what was on paper they were going to win 93 games, uh, and they had that blazing start when they mm-hmm. went 34 and 19, and then the injuries befell the pitchers. There, they went to camp JT and got to opening day. They had 19 pitchers who had major league experience, and I thought you need numbers, you need strength and numbers, and need depth. They can't find starting pitching now. They got so many guys hurt, and AJ Preller JT has traded. 30 prospects in two and a half years, and they've also had 17 pitching surgeries in a two and a half year span. I, I don't know that they're going to make it because even though they got guys who can hit, hit, they're not hitting consistently. And Fernando Tatis is one violent swing away from dislocating that shoulder a fourth time, and he's you know he's a little bit tentative right now, and mm-hmm. rightfully so. I, I give them credit. The team doctors have done a phenomenal job getting Tatis healthy, helping him change his style of play a little bit. But he, that's in his DNA that he's going to dive for balls and he's going to swing hard and he's going to go head first into bases. And it's like I'm sitting here waiting for the next accident to happen. They, they might not make it. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of angst right now in this community about what that general manager did and all the currency he spent and the amount of money he has spent hyphen wasted. This this might not end up very good for the Padres this season. Lee HacksawHamilton.com, Hacksaw's headlines, best 15 minutes, one man's opinion. I look at it multiple times a day as I prep for my shows. Lee, great to talk to you again. Thank you. JT, be well. We'll chat with you again before the start of the season. Thank you, Lee. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, always great to have him on the show. Yeah, I mean, the Padres are collapsing collapsing as we speak the reds are only one game back in the loss column for that final wild card lee's been a long time play-by-play voice chargers for 13 years he knows that raider rivalry knows what's been happening down there with the rams and these practices and we're going to hear from john gruden coming up and to hear what that uh what the vibe was after practice today i don't talk about injuries until they happen that's my philosophy i don't sit there and go oh my god if cable's offensive line can't remain healthy this offensive line is never healthy. Now they're healthy. I didn't see any injuries today. But Gus Bradley needs his defensive potential captain, Nicholas Morrow, to be okay. We'll find out. And I'm, I'm watching Paul Gutierrez, Vic Tafer, everybody who's there. But if John Gruden didn't say it at the press conference, there's not much more we can go with until Vinny Bonsignor comes on. And possibly Q has it on his show. Uh, Vinny tweeted, John Gruden wasn't happy with the shenanigans today. Quote, child's play. He did point it was two special teams players who started it, followed by a whole bunch of trash talking. Richie Incognito walking with a bit of a limp, getting off the Raiders bus. So we'll see. Walking around with a limp doesn't mean you're injured severely and you're going to miss a lot of time. But we're not going to see Richie play. 
anytime soon because I don't know how many snaps Richie has left. How could you how could you even guess how many snaps he has left? I'd like to see him play a full season with the Raiders, the entire season healthy. 702-365-9200. We're open now. If you have an opinion on what transpired today, Raider fans, are you upset that a couple of fights broke out? Or do you think it's a good thing? We're brought to you by Remy Martin. Raise your cocktail game. Definitely, you know, that's a that's half the battle, you know, the, the mental side of it, just being, you know, believing in what we're doing. Um, the coaches have done a great job, um, you know, Coach Bradley and, and Marinelli and all those guys, you know, they believe in us and, and, and we truly feel that. And we have a lot of guys that are motivated and you can see it out on the field. You know, everyone's bringing it, um, the passion's there and, uh, you know, it's just got to translate to Sundays. Mad Max, who says everything right. Every, what a pro Mad Max is. How fortunate are the Raiders to have him. JT brought to you by Modelo, the official cerveza of the Las Vegas Raiders. Modelo Special is brewed with time, effort, determination to create the model Mexican lager. Everyone knows that hard work deserves a fighting reward, a Pilsner-style lager with a crisp, clean taste. I will have a bucket of Modelo's tomorrow, my best friend of my life. We were in first grade together, best man at my wedding. I just got out into town, staying with me for a couple of weeks through Guns N' Roses. So he's coming to Guns N' Roses. God, how many texts did I get on Guns N' Roses? What do I got to just stop? I mean, there's plenty of tickets available. We're giving away two today. We're giving away two tickets. Not a chance to win. We're giving away actually two tickets. But I can't give them away if no one's calling in on the Raiders. Because I'll eat them or I'll give them to Bobby and Bobby can go scalp them. No, we can't do that. It's a radio promotion. I know, no, no, no. I know the rules. That's why I don't try to be funny. But we want to make sure you get a chance to win. And all I'm looking for is the best call on what's going to happen with the Raiders when they're getting into fights at training camp. How is this good for the Raiders? How is it bad for the Raiders when practices end with these fights? 702-365-9200. John Gruden, after practice, was called a little bit early, just spoke to the media. How's it going? I'll be happy to answer any questions I can. I saw uh, Richie and Nicholas kind of limp off the field a little bit. Any kind of an early update? We'll look into it. We'll know something here in the next couple of days, but I don't have anything to report yet. Was that part of the reason? Would you like to answer the last couple of days and see the guy on the hand today a little bit? I thought we had a great work today until special teams, right at the end of the special teams period. I have no idea what that was, but... That's enough of that crap. You know, that's not good for football. That's not good for anything. So uh, that's the end of that. That's the end of that practice session. Two days of workouts here. Um, what'd you get out of that? What do you a feel? Lot. You know, we did. Uh, I thought we did a great job looking at some different players in different situations and different defenses and different offenses. And we had some guys really uh, get some ex- excellent experience against a very good football team. So. Uh, it's all about experience. It's all about improving, and I think we accomplished those two things. Getting the reps that you guys got uh, these last couple of days, will that kind of change how you approach the preseason game in terms of who's yeah, going to play? Probably will. You know, we're going to try to be smart and um, also try to keep on schedule in terms of our young pay, uh, young players' development and this team's development. So we'll meet as a staff and determine who's up and who's out 
uh, here in the next day or so. What's the message to the team then when you have to call it off early because of what it's happened? Just, there's no message. You know, they know. They know better. Everybody knows better. And again, it wasn't everybody fighting. It'll be on TV. You'll see a bunch of guys screaming and yelling. But it was two guys in a special teams period. And then it was a lot of trash talking that escalated. Uh, it's just sickening, really. It's just stupidity. But I'm done with that. It's just child's play to me. John, you uh, talked about Trayvon Morrig uh, showing up when pads get on. The pads have been on. Uh, two pretty good practices for him. I'm really pleased with him. I thought he did an excellent job. Uh, very pleased with a lot of our young players. Uh, Second-year receivers marrying in the middle of our defense. Arnett had a couple good days. Trayvon Mullen uh, is stepping his game up. So we'll go look at this tape, and I know it wasn't perfect, but pretty good, pretty good against a very good offensive team. Uh, we're excited about it. Ian Drake had a pretty nice catch for a touchdown out of the backfield today. Is that sort of what you envisioned when you no, brought him in? We've done much of that at all this year. We're just gonna, you know. Keep our, our ideas under the wraps here. We're just trying to get, get our guys on the field the best way we can. More guys? All right. Okay, guys. All right. Doesn't sound too happy, and he really was pissed off by what happened with the special teams fight and how it brewed and how it got a little bit out of hand. So John Gruden is not happy about that at all. He is not happy about that at all. Matt and Henderson, what would you think for what you heard about practice today and guys getting banged up in a fight? What's up, Brick? Uh, I think uh, I think Gruden obviously can officially say he doesn't like it, uh, but I think a certain part of him has to like that. I feel like the team feels to a certain amount like embarrassed about how, you know how they played last year. I think I think they're feeling disrespected about how they're picked to finish in the league and the conference. Um, and I think that's that's why they're trying to dominate these practices and also, you know, kind of say, hey, this is what we are and uh, this is what it's going to be like when you play us. And uh, I, I think it's a good thing, provided nobody gets hurt, you know. Yeah, I think so, too, provided no one gets hurt. But they didn't get hurt in the pri- – I don't think they, anybody got hurt in the fight. But I just think Morrow and Incognito, who are reportedly injured – to some degree, and John Gruden said they'll have a response to that in a couple of days. It'll be before the game. We'll know pretty quick here if it was serious or not. As long as we don't hear that anyone needs an MRI or anybody's had a serious injury, I think the Raiders are okay. If that was the case, Ian Rappaport would be reporting it because there was a serious injury in the NFL today. So when there's serious injuries in the NFL to any player, it gets reported pretty quickly. But when it's, you know, a, a mediocre player or a player that might get cut anyway, everybody doesn't go crazy on social media. You got to look. You got to look around. But Jets defensive end Carl Lawson is having an MRI on his Achilles, and several people believe that he's gone for the year. Jets pass rusher Carl Lawson, one of their big free agent signings, suffered a lower leg at practice, and he's having an MRI on the Achilles, according to Mike Garofolo. Don't want to see that. That's a big-time player and a big-time injury. Sean Salisbury next hour. Vinny Bonsignor.